0: me see all right all right we've got ryan white today on our podcast ryan how are you doing today i'm doing great man good all right well ryan is a good friend of mine he is a adult with spina bifida has uh, a wife shauna they will be celebrating their anniversary of nine years next month so that's definitely awesome and i brought ryan on today to Tackle the topic at hand of of our personal truth versus what we see in others today. So, we're gonna flesh that out and uh, really see what that means. So, all right, I'll kind of just give you a little bit of background of uh, why this topic uh, meant so much to me. And, Ryan, if you have something you'd like to add, just feel free to chime in. Um, I was listening to a podcast on uh, YouTube, of Joe Rogan uh, interviewing Dr. Phil, and one of the topics they ended up talking about was this idea of our own personal truths versus the reality of what we see in the people around us. And uh, they went on to talk about how, um, in the context of abuse, you know, if a kid's being abused at home and, um, not being taken care of, you know, CPS is at their door every other night and these kind of things. And then that kid will, uh, go to school and then see all the kids, uh, his classmates, you know, brand new shoes, great clothes, star athletes in school, always making great, uh, great grades and just uh, really, you know, living up to what their um, best potential is, I guess, could be. And that kind of resonated with me because, you know, myself living as an adult now with bifida, being a kid uh, with a disability, really, um, I had to work really hard not to let myself, view um, myself as a disability and not simply just a person with a disability because you know there was a whole ton of things that I couldn't do you know sports I couldn't play um trips that I couldn't take whether it be church trips or school trips um just because you know the complication of my disability wouldn't allow me to um do that and so just having lived through those things and um having to deal with them really, um, challenged me to really try and see the positive things in my life and, um, not be burdened and bogged down by all the other stuff that I couldn't necessarily do. Um, and so that, you know, early on was a very big challenge to me. And, um, Ryan, I don't know if that was the same for you or not, so I'm going to let you Flesh that out a little, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it it, it
1: really was. It was, uh, you know, and and I I found for myself, um, that it it didn't start right away. You know, when we're we're two, three, four, and five year old, um, every kid is is we're just kids, you know, and we're we're trying to figure out what what this great big world is, and uh, we we've got we've got too much on our mind to be looking at other differences It's like just everybody is, is a kid and we're all we're all getting along and um, but you know and, and I and I didn't get any any different I didn't get any uh, negativity from from home and you know growing up in church didn't have any problems there um, until a certain age and it was a probably second or third grade and that's really when kids, start to notice other people at least in 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 my perspective uh from my point of view that's when i was noticed as being different and honestly i was being viewed as different not only different but actually um not okay and uh it really did impact uh, the way that i i saw myself and uh you know it took the duration of my childhood into adolescence and adulthood to really get a grasp on who I was as a person. And, and, and Brian, you're right, uh, we're not disabilities. Um, we are people, more ordinary normal living people who, uh, who have a disability. But I, <clears throat> one thing that helped me growing up um, is, you know, everybody has a disability um, some are not visible. Some have personality quirks that others would consider not normal. Uh, Some people have, um, phobias. Some people have, um, eye issues, ear problems, you know, they can't hear as well. Uh, but so all of us just being, living in a broken world are broken. And if we can come to the conclusion of that, I'm broken in a different way that's a little bit more visible than most people. We're all broken. And I, I think learning that kind of helps.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um one thing that you kind of hit on a little bit, I kinda want to flesh out a little bit more, is this idea of you know everybody wanting to fit in and you know exploring Becoming of an age where we, you know, explore the world around us and try to just are at an age where we're starting to try to figure things out. And I think in the realm of disabilities, when you're on the outside looking in, per se, as a kid, and really adults do it too, but especially as a kid, when kids have things that they don't know about, they do, I would say, one of two things. They would either you know assume something based on what they do know to try to fit it into a category that's familiar to them, or they right. would just simply you know simply just try and ignore it altogether and and I think that fits into the to the realm of disabilities pretty well um, when you think about it because I don't know if if you as a kid but i I experienced both of those things uh around. The fourth or fifth grade, like you were talking about, um, having kids, you know, either think things of me that weren't true, um, kind of give you an example, to think things that like, you know, because I can't walk and I'm in a wheelchair, something's mentally wrong with me, and that's not necessarily always the case, or they would just simply ignore me and just act like I'm not there which yeah both of those can be pretty harmful to a kid that's just trying to fit in and, and make you know a name for himself yeah absolutely
1: and um you know I, I I dealt with um and I I honestly I think you know I I grew up walking And so my my difference is is not that i didn't walk but that I walked differently uh, which still disqualified me from sports it still disqualified me from from um, different social aspects of life um, that you know I it, it caused me to be last to be chosen on the soccer field at PE um, you know things like that and it really does for for a kid who goes from and just a kind of give a, a background of when I was, you know, I told you I had no clue that I was disabled. Uh, when I was five years old, my dad and I went to a grocery store and he parked in the handicapped parking spot. And I didn't know what to do because I, I, I was just beside myself. And so I got out of the car and I started walking even more funny than I than normally did because I, I didn't know I was walking funny in the first place. So I, I had to fake it. I had to fake a disability. Because my dad part handicap, um, and so I, I, I literally came from this this idea of innocence, I guess is the word, but really ignorance of my differences. Um, so coming from that to third, fourth, and fifth grade, when when reality sets in, you're not just different, bud. You're 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 not acceptable and man i tell you that's 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 a different world and i you know for me i didn't have time to adjust to that new world it it just kind of slammed me in the face
0: right yeah i mean and then then you start you know growing up a little bit and you know hit the high school age when you know kind of that late middle school early high school when you know Boys are starting to notice girls and dances are coming up and and you know people are starting to hang out and you know get to know each other on a really deeper level um, That was frustrating for me just because people didn't always i I tended to use humor as a way to break the ice with people and they didn't always know how to react to it. So, like, I would make just these off-the-wall jokes that, you know, people would kind of cringe at. And it would kind of hurt my social life even more when I was trying to, you know, get something that I thought would make people more comfortable and not everybody reacted that way. So that, you know, was just another level um, that I struggled with. But the thing is, is once people caught on to my, my humor and how comfortable I was, their anxiety really started to go down. And um, I could really just start... A, they just really saw me as just another one of their friends and not necessarily... This is my friend with a disability. Um, and, and so that was that was kind of nice when they were able to catch on and you know see me for the person that i was and not you know the mode of transportation i had to get around
1: yeah uh and and i absolutely agree with that i think we uh i think we we put on an air about ourselves it's either going to be a positive one or a negative one and unfortunately um a lot of times that air that, that, that we put on is actually something that we're forgiven by people who who don't know how to respond to us initially. And so we adopt it as, well, there must be something wrong with me. And if there's something wrong with me, then I'm, I'm going to show it. Okay. and it's not, it's not necessarily a cognitive choice to show it. But if I feel like there's something wrong with me, um, just to give you an example, I can't hide anything from my wife. If I'm in a foul mood and I'm being just ultra nice to her and thinking I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the wool over her, her eyes, I'm not. She knows that um, there's something wrong. And so I, I just I, I quit faking it because I did that years ago because it doesn't do any good. Uh, but here's the reality. Um, we, we, put it, we put forth the face that we feel. And for me growing up, especially later adolescence, I started to really understand how to do that effectively. Um, and, and, and you're right. And it always kind of baffled me. Um, you know, just a few years of separation, the friends that I had currently were just a few months, uh, a few years ago were not friends. And it was simply because I changed face. Um, I, I was able to understand more of who I was as a person. Uh, and that allowed me to to, to display who I was as a person. I, the problem was in the beginning I saw myself as I was being told how I was. And I was being told by the wrong crowd, that I was insufficient, that I was not okay, that I was not the type of person that would be accepted in the social environment. Um, And that's what I believed about myself. And that became self-fulfilling. and you know as i learned more about who i was as a person i was able to break that cycle and people like you said started seeing me for who i was instead of the guy who who walks differently who can't mm-hmm. run things like that
0: and i think and i think you'd probably agree with me here and i think one of the things that was helpful in changing my perspective of me is I just started to find things that I was good at um instead of trying to follow the crowd and find you know things that the crowd was doing that I wanted to get in on I was finding things that I was good at that not necessarily everybody else was doing um giving you an example is In elementary school, when I was living down in Houston, I got really actually pretty good at at wheelchair basketball and played for several years, joined a team there in Houston um, to the point where my coach was telling me, he said, if you wanted to, you could probably make the junior national Olympic team if you wanted to. Um, You know, just the fact that being able to drop out of school at that age and focus on basketball full time just wasn't something that I was prepared to do. Um, so that and it never ended up panning out, but that was really where I started to see, you mm-hmm. know, my ability to show people things that I was good at. And I learned that if, if you show people what you're really, really good at and they catch on to it, they won't see the things that you're inadvertently trying to hide. Um, they'll be too focused on, you know, what you're trying to show them. So the point you made where, you know, we project what we want people to see, or what we think people uh, see and how we feel about ourselves is really true. Because once I started to, to, you know, feel better about who I was and more comfortable in my own skin people started to see that too.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's it's funny. As you were telling me about wheelchair basketball, I, I think we probably played against each other. I played for Dallas. Um, and so um, I, I think athletics was key. Um, you know, I, I started out with uh, wheelchair track, and then I found, found out that it was a lot more fun if you put a ball in my hand. Um, yeah. And so – uh, really really became good myself at wheelchair basketball and really excelled in high school in that um, and, and it does it it puts you in a different environment it puts you in a, an environment of success um, and, and when you're in your your normal routine outside of the basketball court um, Maybe not as much of an environment of success depending on where you're at, but for me, school was not. But I could go out and kill it on the basketball court and feel like I was a million bucks. Eventually, that started to, um, to, uh, to affect the way I, I saw myself as far as being able to, you know, having some validity. Um, and another thing that, I just going back to finding out something that you're good at, my dad um, was a professional photographer for a good portion of his young adult life and carried that on into my childhood as you know he would do weddings and things like that. Um, so he taught me photography and i I joined the yearbook staff um, in middle school at my school, and I was on the field with with the guys. Uh, that were playing football. And I was, you know, I was, I was hitting the shoulder pads um, and, and congratulating them when they made a touchdown and stuff. I was on the, was on the field with them. Mm-hmm. But I was also doing something that they wanted me to do, and that's capture them on film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really, really, not only was I seeing validity in my own life, they were actually seeing validity too, because I was doing something that they wanted me to do. And that, wow. I thought that was actually key. I was adding value to them. And any time you add value to someone, they will project that back right at you.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think that I kind of went through a similar realization too as well. I think where that part of my life came into play was um, actually after I graduated high school. Um, I was involved in church not a whole lot growing up, Um, mainly because the church that I grew up in, half the people that were members were my family, so I got to, you know, (laughs) see them all the time, and, um, you know, we really held the same views, and, and interacting with doing church things was really just us being a family. Um, and so, when I came up here to frisco to to uh come to high school and joined a church here and really got involved with that youth group started to become a uh, a leader of that youth group was when I really started um noticing the gifts that I had as far as you know like teaching people uh I like to think that I'm a pretty skilled writer, and so my writing skills started to bloom on this, in the sense that just I was not having to write anything for school. I was able to just write things that I wanted to write for fun, and people were eating them up. I mean, they just, since I was probably 18 years old, people were just saying, don't ever stop writing because you're really good at it. Um that, you know, 18, 19 years old is kind of where I was in this stage of life. And another thing people would tell me is just don't stop, you know, being the people person that you are and just having a positive attitude in spite of really everything that was going on with my life or my disability or whatnot, um, kind of was just something that you know, people really flocked to and wanted more of. And and I was kind of a source of that to them. So I definitely, definitely get what you mean when you say you're adding value to other people while, you know, you are trying to find a niche that you fit into as well. Yeah. And I, I think,
1: you know, just in this, this jungle of a war that all of us can, um, I think that's really what we're all after, is, is we want to be validated. And when we are able to validate other people, we don't have to worry about being validated ourselves. It just happened.
0: Mm.
1: And that, that's not a natural lesson. Um, that, that doesn't come about. Um, you don't stumble upon that. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, have some, some really, really wise, um, strong people in my life that directed that me in that, in that frame of mind. And so um, I try to add value everywhere I go because I know that if I'm doing that, I don't have to clamor for it. Mm -hmm. It just comes
0: back. Right. And I kind of, you know, backtracking to the beginning of of this podcast, I think the foundation that really laid it all out for me to be, you know, who I am now is that I had a family that refused to see me as a person with a disability. You know, they just saw me as Brian, their, their son, their cousin, their nephew, or whatnot um i just happened to be in a wheelchair and that the way they just wouldn't let me give up on things really kind of catapult can't talk kind of catapulted me into this idea that you know if i want to do something i'm going to find a way to do it and that's kind of a lesson that i learned at a young age that i've really never let go um And it's been incredibly important in my well-being as a person, just, you know, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, just having that attitude that, you know, if I want to do something, I can do it. And I'm not going to let, you know, a disability stop me. Right. And
1: uh, honestly, a disability is just a call for a detour um we're gonna we're gonna be able to accomplish the same stuff that everybody else can um but that might not be in a rollerblade, that might be in some other form of fashion Uh, absolutely no way that i was going to be uh if i'm told that i can't do something uh watch out uh it's just kind of been my mentality and where I, where I run into trouble is when, you know, if I get overwhelmed or overcome by, you know, situations in life and I start to believe that there's something I can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we go back to projecting that, you know, other people can sense that and they will they'll respond to that in like kind. Um, so, I, I think it is absolutely imperative that we, you know, we, we focus on who we know we are, and project that person forward. Uh, and what it ends up doing is, uh, you, it compounds becomes something that builds momentum. And it's kind of like the truck that um, or the train that starts out rolling and it's rolling at five miles an hour, but eventually when it gets up to 60 miles an hour, you can't stop it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's really what I want to do with my life. That's really what I want to teach others how to do with their life. No matter if they're in a wheelchair, whether they use crutches like I do, uh, whether they're completely visibly normal i want to show people how to to project themselves forward to other people so that that feeds back to them the way they project to yourself is the feedback you're going to get from other people
0: that's that's extremely true and you know we we go for the things that we feel like we deserve. So if yeah. the if we set the bar too low, we'll get there, but you know, everybody else is gonna see that, see us in the same way and in, you know, judge us, interact with us, whatever word you wanna put in there, that's the standard they're gonna use for us is the standard we set for ourselves. So setting that standard at a high level early on, I think is absolutely crucial. I think one thing where I struggle and I still do, and I'm, you know, 31 years old, but as a kid, and even now I struggle with thinking I can do too much and not, you know, not asking for help when I really do need it, you know, um, kind of give you a, a little bit of background. I, I don't know if I told you, I ended up having an infection in my foot. Um, uh, the end of January, middle of between somewhere in the middle of the end of January and um, it was on the back of my foot. And it was in such a place that I couldn't really bandage or keep it clean very well. Um, And it was probably at that point that I needed to reach out to either go to a doctor or, you know, reach out to my mom or dad and say, hey, you know, will you take a look at this? Will you help me out with this? But it actually ended up snowballing because I wouldn't ask for that help. And the infection spread ended up going septic, and I ended up spending you know a week in the hospital um, basically just because I didn't want to ask for that help early on and kind of to use a <laughs> a cliche pun and I ended up shooting myself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> and when out all along, if I just would have asked for help, I could have been a lot less. Bad, so I guess kind of that's one thing i am am currently working on is learning when to ask for help when I actually need it, and uh while still maintaining my independence and um my identity as you know a person that um, can do things on their own you know, and I
1: think that's a trouble and for 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 it's a fine balance. And for me, um, uh, you know, I, I there's certain things I have to ask help for and things like that. But uh, for me, what it challenged me, how how it has affected me, both as a kid and as an adult, is I kind of became a know it all. <laughs> I, I I was the one that you couldn't tell me if I was, tell me I was wrong if everybody knew I was wrong. Um and you know I I unfortunately still struggle with that from time to time today. Uh, that's that's not a good way to have a good marriage by the way. Have <laughs> <laughs> that not. Um but and, and so I've I've had a lot of growing to do and and by the grace of God, I've, I've been able to grow in that area. But what I think part of what caused it is uh, this feeling of in, inferiority uh, that was possibly caused by the things that I could not do and the things that I did need help with due to a disability.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of goes back to that point that we were talking about earlier is we got to have a healthy understanding of what we're good at and what we're not good at. And Right gravitate towards the things that we're good at and you know get the boost where we need it when we find things that we're not necessarily the best at um and i think part of that with us may not necessarily be our disability a hundred percent when i think it may have a part in it part of that just may be a guy though (laughs) I think that's part of being male is, you know, we're always taught to be leaders and, you know, providers and, you know, really be the forefront of knowledge and ability. And so I think that kind of would play a part in it, don't you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, Most definitely. Definitely. And I think you're right. I think the disability plays a a, a partial um, aspect in it, but I, I think probably maybe uh, more predominant is just being part of the male side of the species. Uh, you know, we're we're stubborn, um, and and by nature we're arrogant. Um, and, and one of the things that you know, as I try to learn to become a better leader. Um, in my family and at work and, you know, in church and stuff like that, um, finding out that I do need help is, is, is one, of the, it's one of the key roles of a leader, um, is delegating and saying, hey, you're better at this than I am. Um, would, you, would you help me work through this? And I, I think really... I see it most successful, uh, when I, when I hand the reins of the budget over to my wife. Cause I am, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, you've got your, war, your, your worrying works and then you've got those who don't think anything is going to go wrong. And that's where I fall when it comes to budget. Um, and so my wife uh, has has the mindset of well let's plan this out and so she's a lot better at handling stuff like that she's got uh, you know we go through it um, twice a month and it, we do, we do a lot better when we do it that way but if I go rogue and I, I say well we've got the money so and go here let's do this and um, it you know so Where i found that I'm weak is is, and and where she is stronger is on finances. And I, I think that's being a good leader. And It took me many, many years of being married to say, I'm not good at this. I need you to step in because you're a lot better at this than I am. That doesn't mean you're not a leader. That means you're a strong leader. That means you're able to recognize your weak points and recognize and empower other people in their strong points
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's i think that's a real key mark of a strong man is to know when you can't always get something done and need somebody to step in like you were saying yeah um it's tough it It really is and and you know there's pride that needs to be laid down, and um vulnerability is is really not very easy sometimes um and that's kind of what it boils down to is this are we going to be vulnerable enough to admit you know I can't do this and it's it, it almost feels like weakness. But it's not. It isn't um, like you said. It's it's a it's a key mark of good self awareness to know when you know we can't get the job done. So that's definitely important, I would think. One thing oh, that I was thinking of uh, throughout this um, last couple minutes is we we aren't designed to get things done on our own we are as human beings inherently designed to be in community with each other and um that's another key thing that's really helped shape me into the person that i am today is i've just had the you know good fortune of having a great community whether it be my family or my friends my church communities Most of them that I've been involved in, um, have been very helpful, um, congregations of church people. Um, like I was trying to say, just having people that really saw me for who I was and really allowed me to use my strengths, um, after I graduated college from ACU, um, I was actually asked to um, come back to the congregation I attended during college and lead a six-week course on uh, living life with a disability and how that plays a part in my own spirituality and really laying a a ground foundation of, you know, what does the Bible say about disabilities? and how I chose to use that, you know, as my motivation. And so just having a group of people that we can lean on when we don't really have the ability to do something on our own and also having that group of people, you know, push back to us and say, yes, you can do this and you really need to do it on your own. Um, was extremely important for me, um, and I think that's really key. Not just for people with disabilities, but for people in general, just to have that kind of close knit community around them.
1: What I have found is when I when I am around people who are not in a growth. Mentality, a growth mindset. All I have to do is look at the people that they, they spend the most time with. And that diagnoses the problem. Uh, we not only do people react to us the way we project ourselves, but we actually react to how people behave by behaving like them. Mm-hmm. And it goes to what you were saying. You know, we were created. For community, that is the very purpose of our creation. Community, um, and uh, but I think the reality is that it's easier to be in a community um, that that doesn't cause growth, and it's harder to be in a community that does cause growth. And so I think that's why ninety percent of the world. Hangs out with people that are just like them, struggle the same struggles that they struggle, and and never get out of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it, it really is important if we're going to be impact players in this world, uh, which is what I want to do. I want to be an impact player. Then I need to look at other impact players that are actually been on the field longer than I have. And uh, that's where mentorship comes in. That's where Choosing the people that I associate with based on uh, the kind of fruit that I see on their tree as opposed to uh, Associating myself with the same kind of people that I am That have the same or less amount of fruit on their tree It's easy to do but it's not as effective in being an impact player.
0: I I agree completely, you know uh, Matthew McConaughey the actor he had, uh, it was an acceptance speech a few years ago. I don't remember the awards show, but in his acceptance speech, he was talking about what um, motivates him in life. And he said there there was three points, and I can't remember the first one, but the, the, the second one and the third one were he always had something to chase. And he always had someone to look up to. Yeah. And I think having someone to look up to um, really is important and really goal setting like he was um, talking about in his speech as well. Um, But just this notion of having someone that's, you know, been where you've been, who is wiser than you are and who can guide you through situations um, that you may never have been through before and really help you not, you know, crash and burn is extremely important. I, I can't count on one hand how many, you know, adult men I've had in my life that were just invaluable to my growth and maturation as a person with a disability, um, not necessarily navigating even disability issues, just navigating life, um, just having them to say, you know, hey, what do you think about me going and doing this? Um, It's just really, really helped me, One, learn what to expect when things happen. And two, learn how to not necessarily put myself in situations in the first place. It was kind of funny. I can't remember. In it was either late high school or right after I graduated. I can remember asking my parents, um, you know, hey, what would happen if I called you? one friday night and told you that i was too drunk to drive home what would you do and without you know any hesitation they told me you know i'd come get you i'd tell you not to throw up in my car and tell you you're an idiot for doing what you did but i'd still come get you so just having that having that uh you know, kind of safety net of people that could really help me and that I knew would always have my best interest in mind was extremely important.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And and I think that is, that's part of finding the right community. And, you know, some of us were fortunate fortunate enough to be given that with family. Um, Some are not. And so their challenge is to go find it. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my, my best mentors in life, he found it. It wasn't given to him. He found it. And I think those are the ones who are actually better at accepting it than maybe those of us who it was given to us. Um, And they're they're the ones that are better at finding it, um, because they had to go out and forage for food, where we were handed. It was handed to me. Um, Right. I was was given good parents. I was given a good church background. I was given um, all of these things. Uh, But when it came down to when it came to something that my parents couldn't give me, I had a hard time finding it.
0: Um, how so well uh,
1: as far as as far as advice um, you know and and I think it's just keeping your eyes open I think it's I think we can all find the right community we can all find exactly where we're supposed to be if we're just watchful Uh, but I, I got in you know I I have a tendency to get into comfortable mode. And when I get into comfortable mode um, and, and kind of just coast, I'm, I do it with my eyes closed. And maybe I'm not seeing the perspective that I need to see. Maybe I'm not listening to the same people that I need to listen to. Um, and so that's just something that I gotta, I've got to watch. And I think it comes from background of always having that good solid background to, um, to, to rely on, but, you know, I think in being involved in the, necess- the necessity of being involved in community, I think we need to keep it on the forefront of our minds and not rely on yesterday's community, but be involved in a community every day And that might be yesterday's community, or it might be someone who actually has more advice to you than what you found out yesterday. Um, And I I, I think, I don't know if if I'm even tracking with you, um, if it's making any sense. But I think it's just, it's key to keep your eyes open. because um, I don't think the world was designed to be a confusing maze. I think it was designed to be a wilderness of discovery. You just got to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree and it's it's kind of fascinating sometimes how we lose sight of things that are right in front of us when we're off chasing things that we think we want um, when what we really need is right in front of us if we just kind of shift our focus and find what we need, not necessarily what we want. So I I definitely agree with you there. So, all right, man. Well, I think we're going to, going to wrap it up there. I definitely agree that, um, setting the image that we want other people to see is important. And, um, I'm thankful for you and uh, the person you are and the friend that you are and the fact that you're willing to take an hour out of your day and come chat with us for a, for a little while. And uh, uh, just wanted to say I'm appreciative of, of uh, you helping uh, convey this message that I uh, thought is pretty important.
1: Well, and, Brian, i I really – I want to tell you, it was an honor when you asked me, and uh, it it meant a lot to me, and it it was a privilege. It really was a privilege to chat with you on this subject.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate your comments, and uh, we will wrap it up, and uh, we'll catch you later. All right. I appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Mm.